Hey-o. Oh, my music is so low on my headphones. I can turn it up. Live from an ESG-scented Palm Pilot. Ooh. This is ESG Industries' only weekly woke data podcast featuring analyst Hold Matt Muscardi. Palm Pilot? How old are you? Well, we're covering some old things. I'm covering a 2009 proxy contest. Bill Ackman versus Target. I just felt like going old school. <laughs> really, nothing says relevant like doing something from 20 years ago. I just feel like finding I, new ways to crap on Bill Ackman. In today's ESG-flavored contested proxy called January 10th, 2024, a bit more Bill Ackman bashing and the board that just keeps on giving charcoal to kids at Christmas Wow. Boeing. I like that. What's your favorite board, Boeing? Yeah, well, I will say I'm making fun of you for how old you're going here. I but mean, I don't care. But the fact is I'm going back to 1999 <laughs> with the Boeing too. board, so it's not exactly like we're both living in the 90s. Our show today is being sponsored by FreeFlow Analytics, the only ESG data platform to measure real board influence yes. and diversity power gaps. That's right. And while the, I'm going to let the crowd cheer this one out while I turn up our headset. I want to make a warning to the crowd today that because Matt has important meetings this afternoon. I had to edit the time that I normally edit, which means that there's a lot in here. So brace yourself. So if you're not a hater of Bill Ackman or Boeing, maybe this is not the show for you, but you should still listen. This is always the show for you. <laughs> I'm going to get right into it. Yeah, let's, not, let's not do a thing. Ready? Oh, yeah. So there's only two segments, and they're both seven-hour-long segments. <laughs> segments. It's good this. research, though. Let's do, let's First do of all, let's thing. talk about dumb old Pershing Square Capital Management. Uh, Ackman, Bill Ackman wrote that his New York-based firm has built a reputation as a constructive, long-term, and helpful owner. Wait. Okay, liar. Pershing <laughs> is actually incorporated in the bailiwick of Guernsey. Yes, that's correct. A tax haven, a yeah. place where Pershing Square faces a corporate tax rate of 0%, a place that does not levy capital gains taxes, which means that the rich stay rich and don't have to accidentally fund something completely obnoxious like a playground. What or, about DEI? Or a, a DEI program. A exactly. DEI, yeah. A DEI. By the way... Guernsey also prioritizes corporate privacy. The Tax Justice Network ranks it as the 10th most secretive country in the world, which I guess is great for Bill Ackman because while he is super busy getting into other people's business and careers, it means that despite Pershing being traded on the FTSE 100, he does not have to disclose how much money he actually oh. makes. So Bill is the scrutinizer always and never the scrutinizee. Scru the, the scrutinized. The scrutinized. No, no, you're not a scrutinizer. Yeah, it's not like an employee. It's a. I should ask Ari, the data queen, because she's really good at that New York Times spelling bee game. <laughs> Second of all, let's talk about uh, Bill Ackman's shameless editing program. Ooh. Pershing Square regularly publishes an ESG statement on its website. In March 2023, it, it, there was a diversity and inclusion paragraph in the main body and then an exhibit C called Diversity and Inclusion Guidelines. I love a good guideline. After Bill viciously targeted three female college presidents, especially black woman Claudine Gay at Harvard, he shamelessly changed the names of these sections to diversity and culture. Oh. And diversity and culture guidelines. That's right. You heard that right. 
The dude is so petty and openly anti-black that he explicitly replaced the word inclusion with culture. Why? Because inclusion is part of his new favorite enemy, DEI. Wait a yeah. Or what? Why is inclusion the bad thing? Here's why. Because inclusion implies the actual act of hiring someone, of including someone, does it not? I Culture think it, implies nothing. No, so I think the diversity part is the hiring of somebody. I think no. the inclusion part is giving them power to okay. do a thing. What, however you want to parse That's this. That's what I would say. However you want to parse this, from March to December, after he fought Claudine Gay, he needed to get in there and edit this document. We have the Wayback Machine, thank you, and the internet has the March 23, 23 document. So he needed to go in there. Here's what else he needed to do, Matt. He, need, he needed to delete five initiatives that were previously part oh. of Pershing Square's effort to advance its commitment to diversity. Here's what he deleted, specifically. Identify D&I D and I best practices supported by research improve the level of diversity within the firm's leadership positions and committees. Yeah, I saw that. He changed it from improve the level of diversity to now foster diversity. So he doesn't actually want to hire more. He just wants to foster. Well, I don't know, but he again like he needed to change his language. <laughs> He, he eliminated identify opportunities for the firm to engage with his broader communities to promote equity, social justice, and inclusion, right? Can't have that. He eliminated recognized diversity as a business object objective when evaluating firm partnerships. And finally, he eliminated provide regular diversity and inclusion training to all employees. So all of this because he got mad at the president of Harvard. But this, do you think he knew that this was all in the document? Do you think that, like, this is one of those things where, like, he's shooting from the hip on Twitter. He doesn't really care about, like, whatever stupid employee policies exist at his firm because it doesn't really matter to him. Like, so, he's so the owner. So you're saying he, maybe he didn't know in the first place, and then when he saw them, he I'm saying them? he didn't—he probably didn't pay close enough attention in the first place to the fact that any of that was in there. And then but why is he, any of it bad? He why, goes on Twitter, he and he basically says— and he says, this is uh, a near quote. He says that DEI is the root cause of anti-Semitism. Right. Doesn't he say that? At Harvard. At, at Harvard, at Harvard yeah. right? Um, so it's the root cause of anti-Semitism. Then someone who works at Pershing goes, oh, fuck. We wrote all that stuff yeah. with the E in it. Now we're going to no, have to get rid the, of... With the I. We, oh, is it the he, I? The I he hates. It, oh, we Inclusion. Go, there's an I in there. We got to go back. We got to adjust the document to our new policy, which is whatever Bill Ackman says on Twitter today. It's basically like having Trump as president again. Yes, it's, because and all of this because he's angry at one black woman. Because you don't need to, you don't need to change this whole well, thing no. because of her. Was it her? Because he wanted to make a donation to Harvard. The, the the New York Times reported that he wanted to make some donation to Harvard, and they fucked it up. Right. And it wasn't necessary. I don't think it was under her tenure. I think it was under the prior president's but, tenure. But the claim was that she was only there because of its DEI. And then policies. she gets the job right. because she's a, just a black woman. She's not that qualified, except that she's exceptionally qualified. And despite the fact that he doesn't tell us what it is to be or not to be qualified for anything. Uh, he also did this. He also made a point for the first time to define diversity. So he said, by diversity, Ooh. we mean diversity of all kinds, including diversity of personal experience, of socioeconomic status, Ooh. of one's background, of political views, of race, uh, blah, 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 blah. So, so suddenly now race is suddenly devalued. It's behind things like personal experience and political views and gender is not even a part of diversity. <laughs> he has eliminated gender as a part of diversity at Pershing Square. 
look, you know, like, uh, is it really diversity? 50% of the population has a, has a gender. I, I, and I only say this because I'm saying it's not a coincidence to target, to, to, to target three female presidents I know. at it, university. It does seem like fairly, uh, like uh, oddly coincidental that it's only female presidents getting targeted. And in case you're interested, here's what it takes to sit on a Bill Ackman board if you're a person of color. Spoiler alert, it takes a lot. Ooh, yes. This is Tope Lawani. He is a director at Pershing Square. And I'm going to go quickly over this because this is just an incredible list of qualifications. But I wanted, I, I, I wanted to include it all because he is by far the, one of the most qualified people for anything anywhere, <laughs> including at Pershing Square. And I wanted to just tell you what it takes to be a black hire and to, to not be part of a DEI program, but just to be qualified. Again, he never, Bill Ackman never tells us what it means to be qualified, but. All I am is excited that we have elevator music on the back. <laughs> okay, here we go. You go through this. Here we go. Tope Lawani. Oh, I'm already tired thinking about it. Co-founder and managing partner of Helios Investment Partners, co-CEO and director of Helios Fairfax Partners, principal in the San Francisco and London offices at TPG Capital, Jeez, mergers nice. and acquisitions and corporate development analyst at the Walt Disney Company, director of Helios Towers and NBA Africa, a member of the Harvard Law School Dean's Advisory Board and the International Board of the End Fund, previously director of several public companies, Vivo Energy, Equity Group Holdings, First City Monument Bank, Millicom International <laughs> Cellular, a member of the MIT Corporation, which is MIT's Board of Trustees, Serve as a board observer of the board of directors of J. Crew, Burger King. He's he's on the MIT School of Engineering Dean's Advisory Council, the Overseas Visiting Committee of the Harvard Business School, the MIT Does Open Courseware Advisory Board, and the board of directors of the Emerging Markets Private Equity. He also has a BS in chemical engineering from MIT with a minor in economics and a JD from Harvard Law School and an <laughs> MBA from Harvard Business School. Not to mention that he's fluent in Yoruba. So that this is everything. <laughs> Thing that you ha it takes to be a qualified black man. I would like to say in the, Bill Ackman's world. The, but there's an important part of this yeah, that 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 gets glossed over because yeah. in the documentation at, from Pershing Square on the Wayback Machine, mm -hmm. when they are talking about, I read their annual report from last year, their 2022 uh, or 2021 2022 annual uh, report. Annual yeah. report. Mm -hmm. They talk at length about diversity and how important it is. And in that discussion, that's where they announced they added Tope Luani okay. to the board. So, so they added him ostensibly hire? because he is DEI. And that's what effectively how they position it in the annual report. Crazy. Now attacking a black woman who's the head of Harvard Crazy. for the same thing that you just did. But you can't possibly go out and say that that guy's not qualified. I, no, you can look at the other Pershing Square directors. He is just by words alone. No, I by like, word count alone. You also left out the fact that his biography on the Pershing Square is my, massive. And just below him <laughs> on the Pershing Square website is another uh, board member who who basically ran like a restaurant, right? <laughs> like, uh, Matt, what, I've been looking at director <laughs> bios. It feels like my whole life. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a, a, a BS in chemical engineering at MIT with a minor in economics and a JD from Harvard and an MBA from Harvard. Yeah, I've it was never just seen like for fun that too. That's just for fun. I mean, the only complaint you can have against him is that he stayed on one road in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He couldn't go oh. beyond that. He, that's that's enough to get him disqualified, yeah. right. I feel like. Third of all, a brief story about oh, one of Bill's. Third. Yeah, oh I know. I, I like all this stuff, so I just wanted to bash Bill a little bit more. There, a, a brief story about one of Bill's many failed proxy contests. Remember, it's okay to fail in Bill's world. No, it's not. 
I wanted to focus on Target. Uh, first of all, Matt, in an SEC filing, Bill said, I have always found it astonishing that in the most democratic nation in the world, elections for the boards of U.S. public companies are generally uncontested. In the political realm, I we, agree with him. we see analogous elections only in the third world and in dictatorships. Okay. I, okay. I, I don't disagree with him. So despite that, uh, he had five nominees to Target's board. One of them was himself. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, whatever. Okay, all right, sure. Uh, a different dictator, but fine. It's also funny, too, because another one was Starbucks' first boomerang CEO, Jim Donald, who only lasted three years at Starbucks. And uh, despite the fact that Target's board had the, had the former CEO at Wells Fargo, he had a guy named Richard Vague to take care of credit cards and credit at Target. Do you know if yeah. um, Target's board at the time, Target's board, according to Freefall Analytics, is one of has one of the highest diversity power gaps, female power gaps, meaning positive, positive, yeah. meaning that women in diverse cohorts actually have a tremendous amount of power on the the Target board, which is um, interesting given like how Target is. Brian Cornell has said diversity drove growth over the last decade more. Or less was the target board equally as diverse when he did the proxy contest? 2009 yeah I, I, it was it, it's not I, it, most fortune 500 companies were not as diverse as they are now but yes it was actually pretty diverse and, and in fact and i'm glad you brought that up i wasn't even going to mention it bill ackman proposed five nominees to target's board all five white men yeah I was despite <laughs> the fact that that does not reflect the board of target at the time well i mean but here but this is this is what the the gaslight is right like um if you just judge based on actions is target the claudine gay of that's fortune what, 500 this is companies why, exactly why i focus on target matt because i because I, I to my next section why target in july 2007 when uh, Bill Ackman began buying the stock. The shares were trading in the 60s. Uh, they eventually peaked at $261. So yeah, that's, despite the that's fact that nice he failed money. target management without him. Uh, target was not a troubled company at the time. It was basically the only big box retailer that had figured out how to complete to compete successfully against Walmart. Its 10-year stock performance is better than Walmart's. Analysts all loved it. Customers loved it, 80% of whom were women. So there was actually no reason for him so to, what are we doing? to target target. Uh, sorry to say that, <laughs> yes. but I had to say that. I hate that. Uh, so he said that he's he did not target uh, target because oh. of his one billion dollar investment that he wanted to get richer off. It's because he quote never he never wanted to see Target be referred to as a once great company. Oh. <laughs> So there's some like weird. <laughs> what is this? Patriotic. Uh, uh, okay, let me good. go on with Target, and I can wrap up here. Or he do then, we have to? So this is at. We are now at the annual meeting, and this is all from an article out of the New York Times in 2009. Uh, he quotes. Uh, he quotes JFK. Oh, okay. At his speech at, at I mean, the annual meeting at Target, he says, "We will pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship." And at that point, he begins to cry, begins to tear up a little bit. Oh, the performative Bill Ackman. He then immediately started echoing Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> by saying, "I, I am not kidding you. I have a dream." <laughs> 
that director no. that directors will be elected on character and competence. I have a dream that one day the director nominating process will be transparent. I have a dream that our efforts here will be fruitful. I remind you of uh, Martin Luther King's actual quote, Matt. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. So he's referencing he's the character the same, here. He's doing the same thing. Yeah. Doing the exact same thing. And then he chokes up again. Uh, and then after the meeting, uh, I like this final quote from Bill Ackman. He was asked by the media if he planned to hold on to Target stock, something that he had vowed to do in the days leading up to the meeting, no matter what happened at the proxy contest. And he said... We plan to continue owning the stock. We think this is a great company, but we reserve the right to change our minds if other opportunities arise. No, so that's, that's Bill good. Ackman in a nutshell. I actually quoting JFK, quoting Martin Luther King, crying at a Target annual meeting. I'm <laughs> full of bullshit, full of bluster. I'm pretty sure that MLK meant he wished his children could get board seats. And I, and I also think what he meant was uh, target a board that is well known to be diverse with five white male directors. That's I think it. All works. <laughs> That's a and this is the guy who, benefit. 14 years later, is getting out his red pen and crossing out words like inclusion and, and doxing Harvard students and doxing and, yeah, Harvard uh, students and, and, and targeting getting, and targeting female yeah, there presidents. That's my academic, Bill Ackman diatribe. I hope it's my last one, but I, I, I kind of like so. perversely enjoy it. But I don't think enough people are going after this guy. I have no idea why they're not. No, but look, someone has to do the, it. It's the 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 all of this is the, the the what rankles you about it is the level of gaslighting. It's whenever he says something is truth. Whenever yes. he says when when he attacks you know um, Harvard for anti-Semitism and then defends Elon Musk for worse anti-Semitism when he says plagiarism is horrible she should be Claudine Gay should be fired and then his wife is found plagiarizing but it's that's like everybody plagiarism it, and yeah. everybody does it yeah. and now I'm going to find out that everyone well, does it I'm going to prove it to you like it's like this also the way they manipulate the mechanism of the internet right which academics can't do which is the fact that he is able to sneak in and edit his website and it, it only took us like searching around for an hour to find the original text, but that's not how academics operate. They Everything is published. Everything is out there to be scrutinized. He is able to kind of change his intent, change his language, and and just just because he feels like it, because he's Although, angry. You have to guess that this is part of the reason why Tracy, what's her name, Palagian, yes. um, who is a board who member uh, on Harvard, also was a board member at Pershing Square. She resigned in December. Yep. Around the same time, they change all the same, that language about DEI. She works in social impact. That's her, that's her, her life's work is in social impact. And she's now finds herself sitting on a board with a man who's attacking a black female president at the, at the, uh, the first, at the university. Black, where she sits as a board where member. She's at a, a board yeah. member about DEI. Yeah. About the fact that DEI is the root cause and, quote of anti-Semitism at Harvard. And let's not forget where my long story started with the fact that he incorporated in the bailiwick of Guernsey, which is a tax haven. So he has no yeah, interest in giving back to anything. That's not DEI. There's no DEI there. That's okay, why well, he did it. Yeah, there's no nothing. There, All right, right, let's do some real news. Yes, thank you. You've got to be exhausted. Are you exhausted? I am, but I'm kind of Fired up and Fired excited. Fired up, exhausted. Yeah. All right. This is a this is um this is a throwback. What is this? This is a throwback because right now we're going to talk about Boeing. Oh, what happened at Boeing? All right. So the the short story is um a the door <laughs> of an airplane Ugh. 
while flying the airplane, yeah. came off the airplane. Yes. Okay. The apparently Terrifying. they found that the door plugs that hold the the, the door shut were not properly installed or tightened yeah. or fastened or something like that. And you told me on Monday's show, did you that? They were warned about that? They were told not to fly over There was a warning water? light about pressurization problems that kept going on, and they said they warned the, the, the plane to mm-hmm. fly over land instead of water um, because Nuts. they didn't know if the warning light was real or if it was defective oh or something like that. Okay. Um, but they grounded um, uh, a massive number of, eight, I think, 8% of um, United's flights have been um, grounded. Mm-hmm. There's some massive number. Delays everywhere. It's a nightmare. While they inspect the planes, they found... Several the one of the last reports I read was that several other planes were found to have the same loose door plugs. Loose door plugs. Loose okay. door plugs. Mm-hmm. So there's something like like a gus in you know Tacoma is just not cranking the oh, the fucking gus. thing tight yeah. enough. As long as it's not Claudine Gay in Cambridge. Well, I'm sure it's a diversity problem, right. but um, uh, Ackman's not involved yet. But um, I wanted to bring up. I wanted to bring this up in a very different way, which is to say, here's a hypothetical. If okay. everyone on the board is, happens to be your friend and business partner, yeah, and they're, are they more likely to worry about the next martini they have together or a door plug for an airplane? I think it's a lot like us here in the office. We're, we're constantly talking about, like, what are we serving our children for dinner later? What are we? How are we going to do lunch? That's it's, right. It's, it's a lot of We haven't mentioned door plugs nonsense, at all today. A lot of chit-chat I'm just, nonsense. Not one mention of door plugs. Well, here's your current <laughs> board. Um, Robert Bradway, uh, 8% influence. Dave Calhoun is the CEO of Boeing, 22% influence. Um, uh, Lynn Good, 10% influence. Larry Kellner, 12% influence. Mm-hmm. Steve Mollenkamp, 10% influence. It's a pretty big board. Ronald yeah. Williams, 14% influence. He's the second and, highest. And a lot of these directors are recently hired from the previous scandal? All right, let's get there. It's pre. Okay. It's, it's, um, what they are is definitively mediocre. Right? Okay. They don't produce a lot of anything. In right. fact, the, the top... Um, yeah, uh, director for earnings, bats 850-59, that's Robert Bradway. The top for TSR, bats 500, right? Like So that's the average director bats 500. And refresh, refresh my knowledge about this board. It, when the previous scandal hit because two uh, airlines crashing, killing yeah, hundreds close of people, to 400 yeah. people, board members did resign, but shareholders didn't actually didn't actually vote out anybody, right? There were no votes out. So dis- so my point being that despite that, it, it still was a protected class of overseers, right? There was, right? Am it's, I wrong? It, it, well, so yes, 100%. And here's how it gets to be, all right? We've and it was, gone and it was this. left up to Boeing to decide to, to pick the new to board pick the new yes, ones, right? They picked all the new board because members it, because themselves. To Bill Ackman's point, his only good point, was that these are not even contested elections. It, Boeing suggests someone and investors just get the green rubber stamp out. So what the the history of the Boeing board we've done in this show many times. I'm not going to go over the entire history mm-hmm. right now. I'm going to basically tell you a name, Ken Duberstein. Right. In fact, if you're watching the live stream, this man behind me, <laughs> that is Ken Duberstein. Yeah, that's our company He's the right patron there. saint of our company, yeah. of Free Float. The connected patron saint. Ken Duberstein leaves the Reagan administration, starts Duberstein Group, which is a lobbying organization their biggest client every year is the Business Roundtable from 1999 and in perpetuity. Duberstein died two or three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the Boeing board was basically everyone from the Business Roundtable, all the CEOs from the Business Roundtable, including 
their future CEO, Dave Calhoun, their other future CEO, Dennis Muhlenberg. The, the, all these people knew each other. Um, and I can go through a list, a 20-year list of the Boeing board, and describe how they all knew each other yeah. within two degrees. I got to say that's one of the oddest remedies that uh, Boeing did was they hired from their own board. Yes. They, they took a guy who was steeped in this... Dave Martini, Calhoun Martini becomes the CEO yeah. because he's on the Boeing board from uh, years and years ago. At, at a moment where it would seem obvious that you you get some an external hire to kind of revamp the culture. You get right? anybody else, but but from, here's from the thing. outside, right? But here's the thing. Yeah, um, we can link Boeing board members to regulators. In fact, mm -hmm. Elaine Chao, um, who was the ex U.S. Secretary of Transportation who was oh, yeah. overseeing Boeing McConnell's for the Max 8. Yeah, McConnell, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, McConnell's wife. She was Mitch on the McConnell. Wells Fargo mm -hmm. board for years with the ex-CEO of General Mills, who was a Duberstein client. Mm -hmm. um, Duberstein actually uh, was on the board with John Bryson, who left the board to become the Secretary of Commerce. So okay. these are all, there are so many connections it's absurd. In fact, if so you, it's a great place to either continue your career, to foster your career, to make to make to make new networking contacts. It's, it's maybe not a great place to oversee the safety of jet airlines, but it's a great place to get to know look, each other. Who's overseeing jet right? airlines? Uh, the, uh, I will say this: mm -hmm. if you're again, if you're watching the live stream on my other shoulder here, this yeah. is a, a network map of okay. the board members up to 2010, the board that made the decision to to uh, clear the Max Eight plane. And I'm moving around the network map on here, but you can see these are people that are connected. All of them are connected to one another. Mm -hmm. Then the Max Eight planes fall out of the sky. And this gets to your question of refreshment. We bring in a new group of people, yeah. right? Except that yeah. the new group of people, Akil Jory, he's ex-UTC. He worked with Greg Hayes for years, mm -hmm. years and years. And Greg Hayes is on the business roundtable, a Duberstein client. So Duberstein knew Akil Jory already. Uh, he also knew Ellen Coleman, who's a UTC board member, who's on Amgen's board with Robert Bradway, still on the board today. Steve Mollenkampf, he worked at Blackstone. He was a uh, uh, he he has a board member from Blackstone mm -hmm. who worked with two other board members from Boeing. So keep, um, so keeping it incestuous. I can go through to this year. Yeah, Sabrina Susan, mm -hmm. Suez CEO, mm -hmm. their first ever international. Board member, and I, they do that. I think for national security reasons, okay. they're worried about like you know giving some foreign agent access to you know sensitive information. So, and it took me twenty minutes to figure this out. She sits on the board of ITT Inc. Right. with a man named Nick Fenendankis, yeah. who's a director at Duke Energy with Lynn Good, who's on the Boeing board. <laughs> I mean, it's literally and, and again everyone. And again, shareholders have nothing negative to say about this. I I presume. The last proxy, April 2023, yeah. the worst vote yeah. on the last proxy, 91% uh -huh. for Ronald Williams. Which is not a That bad was vote. the worst. Yeah. The, be the top three tied at 96%. MSCI's governance score, mm -hmm. 6.7 out of 10. 76 percentile globally. They're in the top 25 percent globally for governance. Right. Sustainalytics in their quote unquote risk ratings. I don't yeah. even know what they mean, but they said medium risk and they had strong governance management. They had a strong well, board structure and average management quality. It's what most other 
ESG data providers, research companies are not able to unearth is this type of network. I'm just saying literally no one cares. Yeah. It's not like... Well, do they not care? Or do they not like, you know, shameless plug here? Do they not have access to what we're trying to look at? Well, even when we show them, they're not sure what to do with it half the time. Yeah. All I'm saying is that the, they, the, the board could have approved airplane doors that were secured with butt plugs instead of door plugs, and okay. investors would still elect the directors better. at a 90% plus yeah, rate. That's true. That is, if you want to know what's going on at Boeing, if, you, if you're like confused, like, how does this keep happening at Boeing? We've had multiple crashes. They can't seem to secure a door. There's all sorts of problems. Like, how does this keep happening? The CEO yeah. knows everyone on the board for decades. Look, did, they all yeah. 100% know each other. There are no checks. There are no balances. Boeing might be the perfect example of why I rant and rave about that CEOs should absolutely not serve on their board of directors. There's absolutely no need. And and did, Calhoun might be the prime example of this, right? Because he not only did he use his relationships on the board to become CEO, but then he just adds cronies and friends to, to... That to me is the worst part. Yeah. Like the expectation would be, what is the function of the board? The function provide of the board... Provide oversight. Is to provide oversight. End it's, of story. It, it is to represent an investor and keep management accountable. Mm -hmm. But if the board is either A, all management, yeah. or, and, and they have all the power, or B, all friends, yeah. what is the accountability? Or, as you point out constantly, the, the amount of money they're making... It is enough for them to shut up in the first place. And that is what the last thing that I pulled on this. Larry Kellner, who's the chair of the board, the lead independent director, who's been there for 12 years. He's very leady, and, right? And, and it's worth pointing out that in jurisdictions like the United Kingdom, for instance, you you are you can't even be call yourself independent if you've been on the board for yeah, more than a decade. Which is which no is, longer. They're 100 percent right about. Yeah. Larry Kellner has consistently gotten like relatively to everybody else, bad votes from investors. Okay. Never voted out, but consistently bad votes. He was the CEO of Continental Airlines. Uh -huh. in, in case you need a refresher, that was the airline that failed miserably and went into bankruptcy. Oh, okay. Got bought by United. I was going to heard about them in a while. Yeah, yeah, because they got bought by United. Right. Um, in fact, he has connections to all these board members as well. Larry Kellner last year reported in the proxy made $600,000 to be a board member. How how so high? Because he's the chair of the board, okay. and they gave him a massive retainer. And uh, it's inconceivable yeah. that somebody who shows up for 12 meetings a mm -hmm. year, who's mediocre at their job, can get $600,000 a year for it. And yeah. the constant okay from... Investors. In fact, Larry Kellner's career mm -hmm. on boards, he's in multiple board positions, career on boards, 333 earnings, 323 TSR. He, Bad. He, the average directors are 400 to 600. That right. is just pure average. Yeah. He is a below average director who's making twice as much as the next board member on a board where fucking shit keeps falling off the planes. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. So this is my plea. Oh, Somebody and I'm gonna I'm gonna out, I'm gonna play us out on this yeah, plea. I feel like I should take off my top hat for this. Somebody, somebody, please buy free flow analytics data. Look at the Boeing board and vote against every single one of them. 
you, it's not going to be Boeing. Who's going to be? You can if you can't do it with I, this what company. What's the point of your existence yeah. if it's not Honestly, this? Honestly, yeah. we already proved you couldn't do it with Norfolk Southern, and nobody directly like like lit on fire from from that, right? Don't you want to have some pride when you go home to your we just, your husband or your wife or your or your or your, your partner, roommate, your dog, like, don't you your say cat, you did something, your hamster that you actually made a decision I based on knowledge? I went to work today and I changed I something. something. <laughs> I changed a thing. Yeah. I actually did a thing. That's all we got. That's Hazelnut Rollis. I am your analyst, Tom Mamscardi. We are free float. Come back tomorrow. We've got a proxy countdown. Oh my god. We're doing Beckton Dixon, right? Yeah, Beckton Dickinson. Dickinson? Sure. That'll be fun Dixon for somebody. Dickinson. And on Friday, we've got our weekly wrap-up. Until then, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>